You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The U.S. Presidential Commission on Cybersecurity released its long-anticipated report late Friday. Russia's FSB says today's the day foreign intelligence services are going to try to disrupt the Russian financial system. Ransomware author Porn Poker gets collared. Distributed guessing attacks might have been made against Tesco. Gulligan's business model is mostly advertising and garbage apps. And Tenable's global cybersecurity assurance report card tells the globe it's got room for improvement. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, December 5th, 2016. The U.S. Presidential Commission on Cybersecurity reported Friday. The long-expected report offers six imperatives yielding 16 recommendations and 53 action items. The recommendations and action items will perforce be left to the incoming administration. The report strongly emphasizes resilience. Its six imperatives, which the commissioners take to be essential to U.S. security and prosperity in cyberspace, include, first, protect, defend, and secure today's information infrastructure and digital networks. The recommendations associated with this imperative stress the importance of public-private collaboration, especially with respect to securing cyber-physical infrastructure, improving identity management, and building on the success of the NIST cybersecurity framework. Second, Innovate and accelerate investment for the security and growth of digital networks and the digital economy. Here, the emphasis is on securing the Internet of Things and on research and development of usable, affordable, inherently secure, defensible, and resilient, recoverable systems. The third imperative, prepare consumers to thrive in a digital age, calls upon IT and communication industry leaders to work with both consumer organizations and the Federal Trade Commission to help consumers make informed decisions about buying and using connected devices and services. There's also an emphasis on research into understanding how humans interact with connected systems. Fourth, and this one will be especially familiar, build cybersecurity workforce capabilities. Here the commissioners recommend moving on both labor and technology. They also urge the federal government to accelerate its technology refresh cycle, to move from requirements management to enterprise risk management, and to improve engagement with the executive office of the president. The fifth imperative is the inside baseball one. Better equip government to function effectively and securely in the digital age. This calls for clarity in agency cyber roles and missions. Finally, ensure an open, fair, competitive, and secure global digital economy. This enjoins the incoming administration to engage the international community to develop cybersecurity law and global norms of behavior. The CyberWire received reactions to the report from Ray Rothrock, CEO of cybersecurity analytics shop Red Seal, who not surprisingly liked the emphasis on resilience. Quote, 
Resilience looks inside the network at the various components and connections. That's where the bad guys are, lurking and probing for vulnerabilities. End quote. He thinks that where the attackers enjoys an advantage, as seems to be the case in cyberspace, resilience has to be seen as the responsibility of any organization's highest levels. Rothrock would carry this relatively far, elevating it to a board-level responsibility. Elsewhere in the world, Russia's FSB claimed Friday that it had foiled a plot by foreign special services to disrupt Russia's financial sector with a mix of hacking and disinformation aimed at fueling speculative panic. D-Day for the operation was supposed to have been today, but as far as we can tell, it hasn't yet materialized. Russia's FSB, the successor to the Cold War's KGB, has apparently been given the lead in defending the banks. They're coordinating defenses with various financial stakeholders. The Russian government says the operation was to have been launched through the Ukrainian ISP Blazing Fast servers in the Netherlands. Blazing Fast says, in effect, you got me, it hasn't seen any signs of an attack being staged through its systems. Blazing Fast does add that it wants everyone to know it's happy to cooperate with any legitimate law enforcement authority, but that it doubts the FSB really needs any help. Russia hasn't said which foreign special services, as they call them, are prepping the attack, but it's pretty clear they're scowling in America's direction, and especially in the direction of that Kremlin bete noir, Vice President Biden, who said the U.S. would take action at a time of its own choosing against attempted Russian interference with U.S. elections the U.S. intelligence community said it discerned. That such concerns aren't entirely idle may have been demonstrated Friday, when the Russian Central Bank reported that cybercriminals got away with 2 billion rubles, about $31 million, in attacks on corresponding accounts. The bank thinks the crooks may have been after up to 5 billion rubles. The CyberWire heard this afternoon from security firm Plixer's director of IT and services, Thomas Poor, who noted social media and SMS mass messaging that coincided with the theft. Quote, SMS messages have a 98% open rate, with 90% being read within three seconds. That type of inbound attention already attracts digital marketers, so it's not surprising that someone would want to market chaos as well. End quote. But we must note that cybercrime and market manipulation aren't the exclusive or even typical province of hostile intelligence services. We also heard from Group IB, who point out that some stories on the bank fraud were misleading. The total given was a total for attacks over the course of 2016, not a single crime spree. And Group IB would know. They're over there in Moscow. They think some of the English-language news services may have been misled by a translation error. Russian authorities did secure a win over the weekend. They arrested malware author Porn Poker. No other name was given for the gentleman. Mr. Poker was attempting to re-enter Russia from his Thailand hideout. The police were waiting for him at Domodedovo Airport. Elsewhere, in the world of what's clearly unambiguously cybercrime, British researchers demonstrate a distributed guessing method that could enable criminals to determine security details on visa cards, expiration date, and three-digit security code. Observers speculate the technique might have been used in the Tesco bank attacks. And Gooligan, the rapidly spreading Android malware strain reported last week, apparently uses a business model that generates revenue from ads and garbage apps. And finally, cybersecurity company Tenable this morning released its annual Global Cybersecurity Assurance Report Card. We'll get insights from Tenable's Chris Thomas on tomorrow's show, but in the meantime, the commentary in the report warns of the risk of emerging technologies and the overwhelming threat environment 
by which it means the relative advantage attackers enjoy over defenders. Since they're publishing a report card, Tenable naturally offers grades, and unfortunately no one's making the dean's list. The GPA for the countries surveyed comes in at a 1.6. India scores highest with a solid B. Japan gets an F. The United States? A gentlemanly C+. The average is even worse when they look across seven sectors, just 1.6. Retail leads with a C. Financial services, manufacturing, and telecommunications get a C-. Healthcare, education, and government pull in, alas, an unsurprising D. So, since we're all being advised to avoid the FUD and look on the sunny side, the grades are good news, we guess. Maybe if you're Bart Simpson. Miss Krabappel, call your office. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Marcus Roshecker. He's the Cybersecurity Program Manager at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Marcus, we've been seeing these huge uh, botnet attacks, and they've been uh, making the use of, uh, of uh, ordinary devices, DVRs, cameras, and things like that. There's an interesting question that comes up with all of this is, Who's responsible when, uh, if my DVR or my camera is part of an attack, uh, do I have any responsibility for that? That's a good question, and it's a question that we're unfortunately asking more and more these days. Uh, We have seen massive denial-of-service attacks recently. So the question is, who's ultimately responsible for these kinds of attacks? Well, I would say first and foremost, of course, the hackers who are actually Um, doing the attack, but it's oftentimes very difficult to get at those hackers. Um, They might be located abroad. Uh, It might be hard to actually attribute the attack to any particular person or organizations. So the next question is, what else can be done uh, to protect from these kinds of attacks? And do consumers or the manufacturers of devices that are being used in these kinds of attacks, do they share some sort of responsibility in all of this? I think there's really two ways of looking at this. I think 
on the one hand, manufacturers do have some degree of responsibility to make sure that the devices that they're selling have security measures put in place into the devices. Security should be built in into these devices. Unfortunately, more often than not, security is an afterthought when it comes to building these devices or developing these devices. And manufacturers don't really have an incentive to really put into these devices any kind of security measures or very robust security measures. And then consumers who are buying these devices, they really don't really have an under, full understanding of what the risks are, or at least for the most part, generally speaking, don't have the understanding of what kind of risk uh, an Internet of Thing device could pose um, to the larger networks uh, around them. I think it's a little bit unfair, perhaps, to ask a regular consumer to uh, institute security measures uh, or, um, for the devices that they're purchasing and that they're using at home. But I think you could have a, more of an educational campaign uh, for consumers so that they would be know a little more about uh, the risks that are that are associated with Internet of Things devices, and to tell consumers a little bit about what they could be doing to uh, ensure a greater security for those devices. Marcus Rosschecker, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.